After experiencing the transformative power of a regular meditation practice, it's natural to feel inspired to share this gift and guide others on their own journey of discovery through meditation. Join Buddhist teacher David Nickturn and Duncan Trussell, comedian and creator of the Netflix animated series The Midnight Gospel, for a free online event on Tuesday, May 7th at 6 p.m. Eastern Time. They'll discuss the profound practices of mindfulness Dharma Moon's renowned Mindfulness Meditation Teacher Training Program. Get certified by Dharma Moon to teach meditation, lead group practice sessions, and work with individual students. Visit dharmamoon.com slash beherenow for more info and to reserve your spot for the free online event with David Nickturn and Duncan Trussell. So we, I thought it'd be great if we got together and just uh, talk about uh, our experience as Westerners getting to India and uh, meeting Maharaji and some of the first uh, time we even heard the 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 name of the book, the Ramayana, and and how Maharaji emphasized that, and um, out of that, of course, the Chalisa came. So. Yeah, why don't you start, Krishnas? What is your first recollection of of us even hearing about the Ramayana? In uh, New Hampshire, Ramdas had a grouse, an old grouse yeah. Ramayana. Yep. Ramchard Manas, yeah. Uh, Tulsidas Ramayana. Which is and actually that, a sweet translation. Yeah. I, I never went back to it, you know, because we had the Gita Press and everything yeah, after that. Yeah, I haven't read it in a while. And also this other Ram Prasad, somebody for R.C. Sharma or something, right? Is that uh, Motilal has one, right? Mm-hmm. But the one that we, uh, the one that K.K. is emphasizing in his commentary on, on the Ramayana is, of course, the Gita Press. Yeah, everybody uh, worships the Gita Press in India. Yeah, and uh, and he's of course, d- didn't he hand us uh, copies of it while we were there? Some of us, I think. Um, but, but in terms of being with Maharaji and our introduction that way, where it became pretty real to mm-hmm. us, what, uh, what is the recollection? I mean, my own is that he, the emphasis was on Sundar Khan, the beautiful. Mm-hmm. And is that, that is the chapter, of course, where, uh, Sita is abducted by Ravana and Ram enlists the service of Hanuman to find her and then comes back after he finds her and th- that's that chapter mm-hmm. and he used to tell us to read that chapter in particular well he had it read every s- every Tuesday at the temple mm. it was part of the general you know what they did all the time every week Sundar Khan was sung Every week, right? Ramayana Baba, right? Remember if we remember well, that. no, he he would do the whole Ramayana, uh-huh. but people would come every Tuesday to the temple to see Maharaji when he was there, and and somebody would be singing Sundar Khan. Hmm. I don't know if it was a paid pujari all the time or a paid uh, pundit, but the people from the hills would come and just sing. They still do. Hmm. So, and. Um, out of that, isn't most of, is it true that most, well, 
I don't know. You know, there's a uh, also let's not. I don't want to forget. You know, memories just come up. I remember there was a story about that we heard way back in the old days that Maharaji was with his, that devotee of his who was a big uh, dakoi. He was like Robin Hood, you know, and he had his own oh, village yeah. in the jungle. And Maharaji was with him. And Maharaji loved him because he sang the Ramayana so beautifully. And so one time the guy says to him, you know, Baba, where should I start? And he said, Maharaji said, you know, from where I'm talking to Vibhishan. Mm. Oh, yeah. And that's the guy, the same guy who was later captured and put in central jail where Maharaji had his own room, you know. He had his own empty cell in central jail in Agra because the, the jailer was... That was, was K.R. Singh? No, no. That was some guy, I forget his name, Joshi, who is, na who is now, if he's still alive, the... Uh, I, I doubt he's still alive. He was the, became the head... He ran uh, the Lucknow Temple for a long time, hmm. which is why Maharaji said to Babanya, said, I'm sending you to central jail when he sent them to the Lucknow Temple, when he sent them away from Kenshi. So that's the guy who was, that Dakoid, whatever his name was, um, was captured. And Maharaji shows up at the jail and he goes up to him and he says, I know you're planning to escape. Don't do it. If you escape, my devotee, who's the jailer, will lose his job and who's going to support his wife and family? So the, the, the bad guy, the criminal, he didn't escape. He stayed in jail. And some time later, he was compartoned completely and left, walked out free. Mm. <laughs> but Maharaji didn't promise him that. Mm. He simply asked him not to escape, and the guy didn't. Mm. So that's, that's faith. That's the beauty of faith. And it's kind of the way that, you know, you get tested. It's a test in a way. Mm. Although that opens up a hole. But, yeah. He said every every you know every line of the Ramayana is maha mantra. But didn't come out of the uh, especially out of Sundarkand. What isn't much of the Hanuman Chalisa taken from that part or no? Not, it's the whole Ramayana. Or who? Sundarkand uh, Hanuman Chalisa is a separate prayer, completely different. Which is it's, also about Tulsi does. Yeah, but there's one shloka. I think it's the Sri Guru Charana shloka that starts it. Is somewhere in the Ramayana. Mm. Maybe. I, I think it is. Mm. It might even be at the beginning of the Ramayana. And so it's, we don't know how, why he put it there. If he put it there, maybe somebody else put it there later. But uh, the Hanuman Shalisa is a separate prayer. Right. But of course, it, it retells the story of Hanuman succinctly. From the Ramayana. It follows what happens in the Ramayana, yeah. yeah. Right. Did we read Ramayana when we were sitting around at the Evelyn Hotel sometimes, too? I remember we read the Bible, but I think we also read Ramayana. No, sometimes. we did. Absolutely. We didn't Ramdas read it out? Ramdas, yes. He read, I think he so, read yeah. Sundarakhan, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah, I remember that, that that was the thing that we did on a weekly basis when we were first up in the hills, was that. Yeah. And, um, and that was the impression. And, and I remember somebody telling us at one point, um, when Hanuman comes back from Sri Lanka after finding Sita and, uh, and they tell Ram all of the exploits of Hanuman and how he burnt Lanka down and encountered Ravana and so on 
and uh, Ram said to uh, Hanuman, "Whatever, no one's ever done what you have done for me." I can never repay the debt I owe to this monkey. Mm. Mm. And then he said, "Ask for mm. any boon." And that's when Hanuman fell at his feet and said, "Save me, save me from the tentacles of egoism." And well, the tentacles of egoism is from that's it, the Ramayana line, yeah. Yeah, uh, from the Ramayana, from Sundarkan. No, I that was in parentheses, and I think that was put in editorially by somebody. I don't think it's actually in the Hindi. I think it's "Save me." Uh, we mm. we should we could I could look at that. I, I believe that it's. Uh, it's much simpler than that. He asks for unceasing devotion or something like that. It's it's Vibhishan who has to be saved. Hmm. Uh, let me just check. Hold on. Yeah, take a look. But I do remember whatever that passage was, they did tell us that every time it was read on Tuesday or whenever that Maharaji used to... I mean, we could write our own Ramayana. It makes no difference. Yes. <laughs> That's what Tulsidas did. Yeah. But he used to weep whenever that was read. That That passage came up. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, one time I came back from somewhere to Brindavan. Maharaj was in Brindavan, and um, he wasn't seeing Westerners. So I wrote a note in Hindi. Shravana Sujasu Suni Ayum Prabhu Bhanjana Bhava Beer. Trahi, trahi, harana, sharana sukana raguvir, which is what Vibhishan says. Yeah. To save me, save me. Save me, save me. He says, hearing of your your greatness and your beauty, I come to you, you know, save me, save me. And I think that's where they put the tentacles of egoism. So I sent a message in with, with the Chokidar, and he came out in a little while and said, Maharaj says he's considering it, and I'll let you know later. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's great. That's so great. I went through this with KK though. Uh, yeah. This that particular thing about save me, save me from the tentacles yeah. of egoism, and he well, of course was oh well, yes no oh. put that in of course. Well yeah, but it may not be in there. I mean this is what. Well you know, no, it is actually do. it's in there, uh, in what? that part in Sundar Khan when Hanuman comes back and and just at the point where they Ram says ask for anything. And yeah, what, K, what KD is saying is it may not be in the Hindi. It's definitely there in the English. Uh -huh. It's definitely in the English, yeah. Uh -huh. But it's a great phrase, even if it's just in English, and they interpolated it. Yeah. Well, <laughs> everybody has their own problems. You know, I might want to be safe from something else. Uh, so, Hanuman, when does he come back? Uh, Vibhishan, does Vibhishan come back first, come over before Hanuman comes back? Well, I mean, Vibhishan comes over to uh, Ram in the middle of the war, I think, or at the beginning of the war. No, it's in Sundra Khan, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. No, absolutely yeah. it's in Sundra yeah. Khan. Yeah. At least according to Tulsidas. But when does yeah. Hanuman come back? Um, oh, here it is, okay. So here it is right here. It's actually in KK's commentary. Uh, Ram said, No one endowed with a body, a god, human being, or sage, has put me under such obligation, Hanuman, as you have. Right. Even my mind shrinks to face you. 
Yeah. How then can I repay your obligation? Listen, my son. Here it is, yeah. I have thought okay. over and over the question and concluded the debt which I owe you cannot be repaid. Again and again, as the, Lord's, as the yeah. protector of the gods gazed on Hanuman, his eyes filled with tears, and his body was overpowered with a thrill of emotion. Even as Hanuman listened to the words of his Lord and gazed on his countenance, he, he experienced a thrill of joy all over his body and fell at his feet, overwhelmed uh -huh, uh -huh. with love, crying, Save me, save me. And in parentheses is from the tentacles of egoism, yeah, my it's Lord. It's not in the Hindi. It's not in the Hindi. No, it, Charana Pareum. It's not in there. It's not. Trahi trahi means save me. Save me, save me. It doesn't say, you know, he just wants to be saved. Right. From the, there's no qualification. No, there's nothing. It's not, you know. Yeah. So then what does Hanuman ask for? Is Yeah, he just says, finally he says, uh, you know, a monkey's greatest valor. Be pleased to grant me unceasing devotion. Yeah, uh -huh, to your right. feet. Right. Which is which is a source of supreme bliss. Right. Be it so. Mm. <laughs> he said. So looks like we'll have to keep our egoism for a while. Mm. Well, how do we uh I mean part of why we're getting together here is that uh just trying to connect what KK is is recommending and commenting on as the most important um, message of the Ramayana and yeah. and in our own experience, how do we connect what we got then with how people can actually uh, use something like this in their day to day life? Well, for me, just reading the Ramayana rewired my brain. There, before that, there was no, uh, there were no uh, pathways for it to flow in this direction. There were no concepts of devotion like this in my mind. It, it wasn't something that I got from anybody growing up. It wasn't happening. So, reading these, the Ram, the Ram, the Ram Charitamanas, and especially the parts that KK has chosen, they they literally give you. A, 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 a way to express the most sattvic, beautiful qualities. And when you express it, when you're planting sattvic seeds, you're not planting all the other seeds. So it's a it's spiritual practice in that way, reading it. It, it opens it's, up your ways. Yeah. It's, it's uh, you know, it. I think it started out uh, feeling kind of like uh, all this mushy, almost... Uh, uh, mushy gushy soap opera kind of uh, um, hyperbolic language and then it does start to penetrate into you you know I mean as you really feel it yeah uh, you start breaking down you start crying for no reason and you yes. think like what is this mm. because it's a, it probably you know it's probably punching our karmic memory buttons you know yeah, and when they say he felt a thrill all over his body, you feel that. <laughs> yeah, you feel a thrill all over your body. You're like, whoa. <laughs> yeah. 
But, so it's just the reading of it rewires your brain. You know, people don't realize. They think they can sit down and do, do mantra and meditate, and then they're going to go directly bodily to heaven. They don't re realize that they still have to live out their lives. And unless you have a way of transmuting your negative thought forms and the negative stories we tell ourselves to ourselves, if we, unless we have a way to do that, we're just going to keep creating more negativity in our lives. And and reading the Ramcharitmanas is exactly does exactly that. It gives us it frees us to express and experience these blissful, uh, loving states that we just not familiar with. We don't get that in in elementary school and high school, and uh, you know that's not. I got to go get us. James for that call for a sec. I'll be right back. Okay. okay. Yeah. So it's the deal. But we, you know, we went there. We were no different than anybody else who first encounters any any of this. You know, it could be a young person now that en encounters us putting up this thing from KK about his uh, or his commentary of the Ramayana and takes a look at it and, and is like, wow, what's this? You know, this is completely foreign. And at the same time, you know, and we do have in this country or in the West more of a prevalence for people to seem to be more comfortable with um, Gyan or non-dual philosophy and so on. Um, why do you, why do you think that is that I don't remember it being like that? Because they're afraid of love. That's why. Mm. No, it's because Western philosophy thoughts you know begins with identification with thought. I think, therefore, I am. And they don't. And you know, even all the Rinpoches are now saying to their students, unless you develop some uh, real, real bodhicitta, you're not going to ever understand anything what's going on here. Unless you really develop some loving kindness and compassion which starts with yourself and the students don't understand it they don't they want to stay in their heads about all this and they think they're gonna be able to get the highest teachings and bypass all that emotional mess that's in our hearts and it's, it doesn't work like that that's a good I mean that's being compassionate with yourself is yeah sometimes a lot harder than being compassionate with somebody else you, you're not really being compassionate with somebody else if you're not compassionate with yourself. Oh, fuck. You, Excuse me. You, you might be doing something good for them, helping them, but real compassion includes yourself. In the commentary from KK, he talks about the nine types of devotion that are expressed in the Ramayana. Um, I thought we'd just take a look at them because... Uh, I, I was just reading about that in some Buddhist texts. Really? Yeah, the nine types of love. Well, just yesterday. It's in my bedroom somewhere. Be so, interesting to see if they sync up. Yeah, really. Mm -hmm. um, well, the first one is, and it'd be good, I think, if we made some attempt to, to translate this again into, into uh, more practical terms, if, if that's possible. Um, the first one is fellowship with the saints, satsang, listening to the leela of God's goddesses, the way of the great saints, the siddhas, used to give teachings through the miracles sometimes performed by them as an indirect way of teaching. In the Kali Yuga, satsang is the best and simplest way of getting the celestial bliss, quote-unquote, by sharing love and stories of the siddhas. 
And I, I remember actually um, uh, being in Kenshi and uh, somebody asked uh, Sidima what was the best thing that they could do for their sadhana to get on with their practice and their spiritual life. And she said, absolutely the best thing you can do is sit in satsang, get together, feed people, and uh, sit, do the chalisa and do kirtan together. And, and that that was uh, her um, her prescription for uh, for people on a practical level to, to do that. I'm, I mean, I think it's pretty... Satsang is important. Even Buddha, actually, Buddha said the same thing. And he said, Oh, Ananda, what is the most important thing in spiritual life? You know? Mm. Ananda said, I don't know, something like that. Or Ananda said, you know, maybe Sangha, the Sangha, and Buddha said, not only is it the most important, it's the most important, and it's the most important. He said it three times. Nothing more important than good company. Mm. And this is, of course, was how fortunate we uh, we were back then to be introduced to this when we all got together, uh, being with Maharaji. And... Uh, and this is one of the real legacies, I think, that we brought back to the West was, as you are doing this now, Krishnas, with large groups of people, and that is exactly what, what it is that takes place. So that's the first of the nine types of devotion. The secondness, the second one is... But wait, there's, yeah. there's different levels that he talks about with that. I mean, one of them is, you know, starting with fellowship with the saints, mm. which is not quite the same as us hanging out together uh not that i've noticed anyway <laughs> speak for myself that's what i was gonna say but uh, you, you said it you did <laughs> uh, well it is it is true. but it's it's that reinforcement of uh you know that other place of being of being present and uh, knowing that uh, you're living in a lila of some kind. It's the development of faith, too. When yeah. you see, you see it right before your eyes, and nobody has to tell you what you're seeing. You see it, and you feel it, and you know it. And mm -hmm. that's how real living faith develops. You, you, you see it. So. And I think that shared experience really is very, that's the reinforcement of that place in ourselves but this fellowship with the saints at the same time we do get there are people that uh, calling them saints may be uh, going a little far but certainly teachers substantial teachers I mean we all take part in that ourselves uh, getting together with um, Tibetan teachers or, or who, whoever um, people do do that and have that opportunity here in, in the West to do that. I think that's part of it as well. Um, fondness for Ram's stories, his Leela teachings on love, service, and, and devotion. And K.K. loves this term, Mariada, which is um, best understood by the descent of Ram as a human being so that when he incarnates in an ordinary human form, he has to act like an ordinary human being to keep the mariada, which is he accepted code of conduct. 
as an interpretation of that Hindi word, to make people know their duties, to make the devotees understand the value of love and service. It was due to Ram's way of performing Leela that he was known as Mariada Purushottama, the supreme among the human beings keeping Mariada. So probably a very difficult concept to understand uh, in the West, right? Well, I'm, uh, the Mariada thing is, uh, I don't fully understand it myself. Nobody. I mean, code of conduct is, uh, you know, the, it's not a human code of conduct, I don't think. I mean, he's talking about... Well, it's the perfect human code. It's yes. like what, what a perfect yeah. being will be. It's how a god lives as a human. It's how God lives as a human. Yes. Yeah. But is it also not something about that that body has to live in a karmic, lawful way? even though it is beyond that? I think it means more like living the Dharma. Yeah. Mm. yeah. There's no karma. The, uh, Ram had no karma. The cause of his body was not karma. It was compassion. He, it manifested yeah. from above. It wasn't, that body wasn't something that ever existed before in any incarnation. Right. So it, it's not, he didn't have karma that way. He had a Leela. Uh, you know, Rabbi Swoboda talks about how the great rishis sit around and tell stories to each other. Mm. And those stories become like the Ramayan, the Bhagavatam. They tell, and each one of the rishis is embodying one of the incarnations. And by doing that, they're they're allowing human beings to work out karmas, to have the possibility of working out their karmas by entering into that lila at the time of that being. Mm. Well, the first part of this, this is being number two of uh, devotional practice, is fondness for Ram stories. And I think that's pretty, pretty simple for everybody. Obviously, um, Ramayana and I remember Ramdas used to talk to us about this way back when we first met him. About uh, when you're, you know, whatever you're reading, you would be reading hopefully books by uh, uh, substantial uh, beings, either teachers or uh, enlightened, maybe going too far. But I mean, back then, books like uh, Autobiography of a Yogi and so on and so forth. Um, and I remember that many of us. That's were was part of our lexicon when we, on our way to India, that was an important book amongst others. Um, I mean, for me, uh, it was Ramakrishna, gospel, uh, was uh, a, a a main inspiration uh, when I first got to India. So uh, fondness for Ram's stories. But it all comes to it, it also comes from when you start to realize that there's something else going on here that that it's not just you know drug sex and rock and roll that there's 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 something else to find and then you begin to f hear about these types of beings who seem to be the manifestation of that 
you know, and so you get interested in that. Right. And and the interest in that, you know, purifies your heart, purifies your mind. It's almost the same as the first one of fellowship with saints. It's hanging out with realized beings. Mm. Right. And which Ram's stories, uh, that's hanging out with Ram. Yeah. Well, in that case, all, all nine of them are pretty much the same. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> the third one is the service of the lotus feet of one's preceptor. Well, that's the same as one and two. Singing yep. Lord Ram's praises. Oh, well, that's the same. No, but <laughs> Ram's name more. I love the guileless purpose. The guileless purpose, purpose though. Yeah, I mean, guileless are you singing purpose. with guileless purpose? Yeah, good luck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, God. let's talk about that, okay? Because a chanting, of course, and, and this singing the Lord Ram's uh, praises with a guileless purpose, I mean, chanting is such uh, an important practice that, that has came back that, that could you could even say that our satsang, that was a major offering. And uh, uh, as it is today, I mean, geez, there's chanting just from one end of the country to the other, kirtan. Uh, how much um, is there of guileless purpose? Why do you talk about guileless purpose since you're doing this day to day? I mean, w guileless purpose means that you're not doing it for any other reason than doing it. Then yeah, you're doing it for a, as your spiritual practice to open your heart and enter more deeply into that love. That's guileless purpose. Anything other than that, like making money from it or getting fame or uh, meeting girls or, you know, you know, anything, all that, that's guile. That's yeah. using it, you know, that's using it for something and, if, or, or because you don't know how to write a song in English, you, you find some chords and you put a mantra over to it and you think you're, you're singing kirtan, but your motivation is many times is really is many times self-centered. It's all about yeah. you and what you're going to get from doing this. You Whereas, can hear it when people are, you know, trying to make it sound pretty. Yeah, yeah. That's why I consider Pilgrim Heart my first CD. Hmm. When I hear one track card, I don't even know who that guy is anymore. You know, I I just think, okay, that was a nice try. <laughs> You know, but it started with Pilgrim Heart. That's why everything opened up by Pilgrim Heart, you know, because uh, at that point I realized, wait a minute, you know, I was the first one. I was so enamored of the pro. Uh, here I am in a recording studio. Wow, you know. But by the second one, all I wanted to do is get the chants down as best like, you know, get them out there, sounding as good as they could, so people could relate to them. But, about. you know, the motivation thing really is what it is, because you're out Save. there. Yeah, I'm, your money is coming, fame is coming, and it's just a matter of attachment or non-attachment to yeah. these things, right? I mean, it's sure. not the thing itself. Well, yeah, and that's all by Maharaji's grace. I mean, that doesn't happen by mistake or by you don't trip and have the right motivation. Right. It comes from blessings. His, his blessing, at least it did for me. You know, I had to quit and go back to India and say to him, I'm not singing anymore until you fix my heart. And this is, of course, many years after he left the body. And uh, he then, he actually did fix my heart. 
he, he changed something, which allowed me to come back and really sing. Otherwise, I was determined that I couldn't do it because I couldn't do it right. And I was aware of that. And nothing I could do was going to make it right. I was, I was being prevented from doing the only thing that could save my ass by my own stuff. And there was nothing I could do about that. And I just, I, I said to him, you got to fix this. I can't do this. I, I can't do this and I can't fix it. So if you want me to sing, you have to fix it. And he fixed it. Mm. He actually fixed it. So that's why I'm here. Well, I, I think of the guileless purpose thing as being just having no other motivation than uh, devotion. You know, it's not like you're, as you were saying, you're not trying to get something from it. You're not trying to get high from it. You're not trying to uh, go someplace else. It's just uh, yeah, I, direct. I don't think, yeah, but it's I don't a direct think you can, conversation. You know, one time... Uh, Maharaji called Tuari over and said, okay, you're a Brahmin. You're supposed to know everything. What does, Krishna, what does Krishna teach in the Gita? So, of course, everybody says, nishkam karma, desireless action, right? Mm -hmm. So Tuari knew he was going to get slammed anyway. So he said, nishkam karma, you miserable Brahmins misleading the people. Only God can do nishkam karma. The rest of us are working on it. If we're working on it, it's guileless. If we're not working on it, it's mm. guile. That's all. Right. You can't expect not to have desires. We're in a human body. There's it. It only exists because of desire. And there's no. You can't. It's not right to expect that you have not going to have desires. The only thing you can do is have those. Is allow those. Is, is create a context for those desires to arise and be worked with and be dealt with consciously mm. and not that they don't deal with you. Right. I guess guileless is like not having some other game going on at the same time. Yeah, like another it's not that double think thing about but as, we do uh, all the time. As Maharaji said, it is di I just happen to have this quote because of uh, the Love Everyone book. He said, it is difficult to sacrifice thought it comes through grace and the blessings of Christ. Purify mm. and wait for grace. Yeah, that's what that's he said. That's kind of succinctly. Yeah, Siddhima, and when I asked Siddhima, you know, Ma, should I meditate? She said, Krishnadas, in 40 years with Maharaji, not once did he ask me to meditate. Mm. He asked me to do japa and to serve people, but he... He said that these meditative states of mind cannot be precipitated by one's own personal will. Yeah. They will arise when you are ripe, and you will be ripened by japa and service. He also said one can mm. attain a pure mind by detachment and one-pointedness. Yeah, good luck. <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Yeah, well, he was just saying, and we heard it. Good luck, right? Yeah. Yeah, he said you you can you can see God if you bring your mind to one point. Yeah. So that's different than being God, by the way. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. That's seeing God. Yeah. 
Being God's a whole other thing. Mm. All right, number five, muttering Ram's name with unwavering faith. I, I love muttering. Yeah, I asked KK, what is this muttering <laughs> thing? What are we talking <laughs> about? <laughs> and he did that. He did that. Ram, 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 Ram. So, or going through the Sri Guru you know, he said, yeah, that's it. It's the unwavering <laughs> faith that's the difficult, but the muttering is easy. The unwavering <laughs> faith is a little something else. <laughs> muttering is easy, yeah. <laughs> unwavering. unwavering. Unwavering faith. That's, well, by grace was I saved through faith. Mm. You know? Yeah. Mm. That's, faith is another one of those things that you get by grace. You don't, how can you create something that is beyond your mind beyond anything you that it's not made up of anything you have to create it with you can't but it can arise to the blessings of a saint yeah. by the time we finish with this anybody who is listening will commit suicide <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh yeah. devotion is a form of suicide yeah <laughs> true <laughs> The next one's tough. Practice of self-control and virtue, desisting from <laughs> manifold activities, manifold activities, and ever pursuing the course of conduct pres pre prescribed by the saints. I'll bet this is a really bad translation. <laughs> you think? <laughs> well, uh, I mean, just practice of self-control and virtue. This is, this is not a virtue we have in the West very, very much, don't we? Do we? No. No. So th this is a tough thing to be able to translate for people to say, how how do we even approach uh, this uh, this devotional practice? This yeah, system. but I mean, this sounds like slightly like a Victorian British translation. Okay, well, give us. Uh, what yeah, but it's what it, once again, it's uh, it, it, these kind of things have to come with the right motivation. And you practice self-control when you realize how much suffering running around after every little thing has created for you. Yeah, and then you just do it. You, if you, you, just, if you it want just, tea, you don't just take stop. it. You just yeah. stop. That's when Maharaj says, you want it, don't take it. Yeah. Right. You, can't, you can't just not take it when, at the beginning or the first, you know. Yeah, because then you'll want it more. You want it more. So, But then that's also, you know, if you do that as a practice, you can sit with that. Yeah. But most people can't do that. So this is these are ideal things to aspire to. And why you would aspire to self-control is because running after every pleasure gets you nothing but tired. Suffering, more <laughs> suffering. Yeah. And once you recognize that, which you don't usually recognize uh, early in life because the whole, you're basically running on hormones. And hormones uh, do not allow for any wisdom to arise. Hormones, it's like, it's like Tulsi Das, oh Lord, save me from the fever of youth. You're on hormones. And it's until when those hormones start to come down a little bit that you begin to go, well, wait a minute, what's going on here? You know, But there aren't a lot of teenagers who really begin to understand where that, those desires lead you. Because you have to live them out for a while and see what happens. But even when you do have, uh, you know, some understanding and some consciousness and awareness of what what these things do and how they're uh, endemic to suffering, 
I think the right word is what you said. I, you aspire to, you have this realization and you aspire and maybe do a little bit of practice about not having that cup of tea, not doing this, not doing that, and just engaging with what, how that works. And I remember Ramesh Ras and I were going to give up uh, sugar and I eat macrobiotic <laughs> on yep. our way acro- on our drive across country. So <laughs> the first night we stopped in a in a stop and shop or A and P uh, supermarket uh, shop and center. I think. Yeah. And we made kitchery. We went in and bought rice and dal on the Coleman stove. On a Coleman stove in the van. Yeah. And we made it so salty. That for the next 3,500 miles, we, ate we drank milkshakes. Nothing but milkshakes. <laughs> <laughs> and that's right there. That's We tried to do one thing. We wound up doing the right, the opposite. You know? yeah. Chuang Tzu has this, there's this great quote about uh, there's the fasting of the body and then there's the fasting of the mind. Yeah. And, you know, that's that place of you see all this stuff and it's uh, desire and you can work with it exactly the way we're talking about it. If you want tea, don't take it. But, uh, you know, you also see that it's uh, your mind running things and it's it's the working with the way that you uh, attach to the desires and the thoughts and all that that really begins to uh, loosen things eventually. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, number seven, seeing the world full of me, Ram, without distinction, and reckon- and reckoning the saints as even greater than Ram. Are we talking here about Guru? No, the world is full of me. The world is full of me, but reckoning the saints as even greater than Ram. So there's some... Yeah. 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 Was, yeah. I'm sorry, I was joking. Oh, you were joking. Geez, I'm sorry about that. Well, we all respond to that because our, all our worlds are full of me as well. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah well, that's when you see, you know, when you see it all as Maharaji, when you see it all as Ram, you know, it's not just seeing it all, it's experiencing it all directly as that. You know, there was a story where uh, Siddhima told me, Ram Ramdas went up to Maharaji, he was very upset, and he said, Maharaji, raise my kundalini. You have to raise my kundalini. Hmm. And Maharaji said, I don't know anything about that. You go see Muktananda, he'll do that. <laughs> he can, he'll raise your kundalini. And Randas got angry and he said, no, Maharaji, you raise my kundalini. No, you know, you know, why don't you go see that other guy, you know, with, you know he'll, he'll raise your kundalini. Randas got angrier. No, Maharaji, you raise my kundalini. So Maharaji gets up and he looks down at Ramdas and he throws his blanket up over his shoulder and he says, I only know two things, Ra and Ma. And he left them sitting there. Mm. Mm. Wow. Ram. That's all he knows. There's nobody in there even knowing it. That's all there is. There's nobody to do anything. There's nobody making decisions. This being is completely merged with Ram. That's number seven. And there's no... When he used to say, Neem Kuroli Baba's dead, you know, go see Hanuman. You know, there is no Neem Kuroli Baba, there's only Ram. It only looks to us like Neem Kuroli Baba. 
And I think that thing about the saints being greater than Ram is mm. the, you know, that's the same as the name is greater than Ram because a, a saint can get you there. Mm. Right. Yeah. By Ram's power. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, number eight, the one who cultivates this type of devotion remains contented with whatever he gets and never thinks... I think it's more accurate he remains contended <laughs> with whatever he gets. <laughs> yes, I changed that. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and never thinks of detecting others' faults. This is... Uh, oh, never. We never do. This is never, never. We love everyone equally. Yeah. Um, well, this is all... We uh, love uh, those who hate us and hurt us. Well, how do it's, we... It's point? developing, you know, loving kindness and compassion. That's what it is. Mm. It, it, the people think devotion is an, an, an emotion that you feel for a, a particular being or a number of beings, but it's not. That's the lowest form of devotion. That's the most self-centered, egoistic sense of devotion. Yeah. Devotion is, is when you see God everywhere in everything equally. You see everyone. You see the Buddha nature in everyone, all the time, everywhere. That's all you see. That's it's real the, devotion. That's it's the love with no object place. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Right. And, yeah, I'm going to stop there since you don't want to edit. Yes, please do. <laughs> uh, well, everybody should be reminded, whoever ends up listening to this, that uh, the... the the idea here between, be, behind all, all of what we're talking about is, is aspiration here. We're aspiring to be at one with each of these nine different modes of devotion. And uh, that doesn't mean that we all aren't falling down on our faces a lot of the time with all of this. So I, I'm, I don't remember actually getting off of my face yet this life. <laughs> Uh, number nine. Number nine. No, you skipped eight. Did I skip eight? Oh, the yeah, one. Well, you can skip. No, them no. All. It, I said the one who cultivates this type of devotion remains contented. Oh. We just said that. Yeah, yeah, Contentment, right, right, right. of course, is. But a, never thinks of detecting others' faults. Yeah, and that's, that's where we're aspiring. Thing. We're still aspiring on that level. Yeah, we're working on that. And one. we're not going to get into any editing right now. <laughs> I don't know what you mean here. <laughs> I, I never see anybody's faults. Yeah. Everything I see is accurate. <laughs> <laughs> and we should say contentment, though, is, is a, an extraordinarily important thing. Yeah, it's a, contentment is a very big thing. You know, people think that, it's, that they're going to go from zero to a million miles an hour in a quarter of a second. They're going to be enlightened immediately. And you have to be actually learn to be accepting of who you are, where you are, and how you're doing right now without judging yourself you need to be we we need to learn to be content that the program is running you know mm. and and we're part we're being processed at the at, at, at the fastest speed we can at any given moment and to judge ourselves and get depressed like it says in in, in the next one uh which you know says it demands that one should be guileless and straight with one's dealings with everybody, and should cherish in his heart implicit faith in Ram, 
What is Ram here? Ram is your life. Ram is everything. There's no Ram out there in the sky that's taking care of everything. It's, it's, it's a part of us. We're a part of Ram. And we're becoming, as we believe less and less in the stories we tell ourselves, we're, we're uncovering that place within us. And we should, we should be at ease with that and, and be content with, with how it's going and trust that it's going as well as it can without getting too high or too low. Yeah. Trust. That is, uh, to me, one of the most important uh, words. You're talking yeah. about f- faith, devotion, contentment. Trust. You know, Tawari used to berate me all the time. He said, my boy, what's wrong with you? What's wrong with your brain? You, you keep forgetting he's doing all this. Mm. What's, you know, he's doing all this. You think you're the doer. What's wrong with you? you know? <laughs> and I, I just found some old notes from like, you know, 30 years ago that I wrote down. Uh-huh. He was just like saying, what? you know, what's wrong? You think you're doing this? What's out of, you're out of your mind. He's doing. So that's like the Tulsi Das poem, you know. Ram is the doer. Ram is the doer. I love that concept of just the program is running. Yeah. Yeah. And he's running it. Yeah. You know? It's very much the way Maharaji seems to do things, you know. He he plants the seed, he pushes the button, the program starts running and that's it. He's he's it's he's, you know, it's just running, and uh, we are we are the uh, we are the wave that's already crested and is dissolving back into the ocean and trying to remain a wave. There's no possibility we can. Yeah. So contentment means to allow yourself to melt into oceanness at the rate that you're melting into it, remelting, reemerging into that. That's the one that Ramakrishna has, the salt doll. Yeah, right. (laughs) (laughs) Salt doll. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So we we can say to everybody, again, that's either reading KK's commentary on the Ramayana, which, by the way, he starts out by saying... um, people in the West ask him about Maharaji's central teachings, love, serve, and remember. And he basically says, you can find all of it through the Ramayana. And he points out all of the different things that yeah. uh, reflect that. Uh, and uh, he says, whenever Maharaji quoted about anything, he would first talk about the Ramayana. And uh, so I it... I think it's very relevant, and uh, I, I think for people who have never read the Ram, and many, many, or most people that we encounter, especially from a younger generation, yeah. you know, they have not read the Ramayana. And uh, uh, in fact, by the way, this particular edition, um, this Gita Press edition, is now available as a PDF. Oh so wow. it's very hard to get the physical book. I mean, to order it from India would be difficult, <coughs> but we are going to make available the P- the PDF so people can actually read it, uh, download it, and read it. Um, so we're we're pretty happy we found that. 
Um, but it's a freebie the way the rest yeah, of the press abs- things are. Yes, it's absolutely free. Unbelievable. Yeah. Wow. So Who does that anymore? Huh? Yeah. Exactly. So the relevance of the Ramayana, um, I I th- I do believe it is relevant for people. Um, to really understand uh, what devotion is and um, the nature of what we were given when we went to India in those days directly from Maharaji. Read Sundarkand. In fact, uh, didn't he tell Ramdas, uh, yeah, if you read it every Tuesday, uh, you'll be able to help your brother stop from being crazy or something like that. Maybe it was the uh, Chalisa or something. Um, but he used to s- he used to say, if you read this every Tuesday, you will get whatever you want. So there was some connection to um, yeah. fulfillment. But what you found with it, KD, I know that you know you read it and you go deeper and deeper, and it has layers upon layers of uh, meaning as it penetrates our hearts. It just. Uh, takes us more and more into uh, you know it, it's a uh, a reality that the story is still going on and then it is uh, also an internal uh, reflection of our own drama all the time yeah there's many levels that are expressed in, in the Ramayana which is also the beauty of it let's say hmm Well, we're uh, uh, yeah, uh, it, but it's going to be hard for people to to look at it as anything under other than uh, some kind of archaic kind of weird Hindu devotional myth. You know, really seriously, people are going to have a difficult time with it. But but that's just programming. You know, that's Western programming, and that's in many ways the source of our suffering is all our Western programming. So it's worth uh, looking into. You certainly don't have to believe anything first. I mean, it's not a question of joining the Hindu religion or anything like that. I mean, it's just a question of uh, having a certain kind of openness and inquisitiveness as to the different ways that people have come to the to real recognize the beauty of their own being, you know. And and of of all beings, so mm. it's not so easy for people to get into. But just like we were talking early in this uh, discussion, when we first encountered this Gita press version, and Ramesh talks about the kind of you know gooey language and so on, we were no different than we didn't know anything about the Ramayana. We came and and we Maharaji said, read it. We read it, and we got caught up in in the expression of love mm-hmm. i mean the poetry is fantastic we got yeah. caught up in the expression of love something happened inside us that made us gravitate even further to to reading it to sharing it with each other and um i don't think anybody's any different now than we were back then and uh like you say it's it's a matter of you know perhaps overcoming some of the habitual tendencies and and how we come up in this culture with uh, uh, not being open to, in this case, a 
devotional relationship with your in your life. So, well, it's it's uh, it's interesting. You know, I mean, there's so many different Ramayanas too. Yeah, uh, this one that we're reading is one. I remember S. L. Saw telling me uh, I started reading the uh, Valmiki, and he said, you know, maybe when you're older, you'll begin to understand it. <laughs> And it's just layers and layers of uh, uh, symbols. I mean, it's it's a great story. The storyline's uh, pretty uh, epic, because it is an epic. But, uh, and the way, you know, symbols are, it's like dropping pebbles in the water. They just, the waves keep going out. And if you take it on as a uh, practice, I just read this uh, uh He's an Indian writer who wrote a uh, series of six novels of the Ramayana. Have you seen those, KD? Ashok uh, Banker. Yes. Yeah. Banker. Yeah. 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 Those were fun airplane reading. Yeah. They were really I I sweet. I had I, I enjoyed them, but I also had some issues with them. I mean. I yeah, just... I understand. But it's all it's, you know, it, yeah. people are recreating the Ramayana, and uh, it just it keeps going. Yeah, and it echoes in different ways for different people at different times. So it is a practice in itself, one which you get tired of occasionally. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we've exhausted uh, <laughs> you, uh, you and, and this. Um, well, let's just say uh, thanks for this little discussion and what we're uh, KK is uh, I think would appreciate this because he really he's really so committed to to uh connect people up with the ramayana in this case the the gita press one i mean it means so much to him and he's still got a pile of ramayanas in his house whoever comes over he gives them one he's Mm -hmm. still doing that yeah but you know i mean that thing that he does i mean the way that the ramayana and they because they do the ram lila every year in nanita where he lives and he's the drama coach for the ram lila yeah he's out there uh you know, at 81 years old, freezing his ass off in the cold nights of the fall when they put it on for Durga Puja. And yeah. he's, uh, you know, he's giving that uh, sense of uh, the reality of it to these young kids who are performing it. It's really beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and he really wants to translate this for Westerners. Yeah. I don't know. I hope, you know, it's, it's, the feeling that you get, which is yep. the, which is what really needs to be transmitted, you know. I think all the external forms could be difficult for Westerners, but everybody wants the feeling that you get. Mm. It's just hard to go get right to the feeling, you know. And you have to go through and get familiar with these un- unusual uh, f- forms and archetypes but it's all about love it's all about love and of course the greatest quote of all is that Rami Keval Prema Piyara Ram only loves love mm-hmm. you know he loves love and that's it Ram loves love only okay that's a good ending Ram only loves love or as Van Morrison said, the love that loves the love that loves the love that loves the love. (laughs) Loves the glove.
<laughs> is how he ended it, unfortunately. Did he? No. Yeah, yeah. It was Madame George, and she oh, was wearing a glove. Oh, God. You ruined it for me. I didn't know that. Okay. But that's okay. He wrote the greatest line that was ever written in, in pop music. Yeah. It said, well, uh, Let's see. Well, I might. Be, well, I may be wrong, but something deep down, heart in my heart tells me that I'm right. That I don't think so. Ballerina. Rama Kewala Prema Piara Johnny Leo Joja Nani Hara. Yeah. Yeah. So, all right. End of recording. Well, mm. translate that. Oh, that's the one. Rama, Ram loves. Oh, I see. Rama he cable. Ram loves love the most. He, <laughs> uh-huh. he, okay. If you want to, you know, he's. That's what gets Ram is love. Right. And it's whoever knows this can know. Right. That's. Yeah. Okay. That's the end of it, isn't it? That's it. All right. If you know end. this, you you know something. All right. All right. Thank you, <laughs> gentlemen. <laughs> 